0: God is at work through His local church and through the teaching of His Word. This morning on Radio, we are pleased to share a favorite message from City Light Church in Omaha. Here's Pastor Gavin Johnson. Now, depending on how you define a miracle, there are somewhere between 16 and 23 miracles performed by Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And this is the very last one that is recorded in Luke's Gospel. In chapter 19, that we'll start next week, about halfway through that chapter, he enters into Jerusalem uh, for the very last time, uh, where the events of Holy Week will occupy the rest of the book. And so today's text, he's really wrapping up. This is near the very end of his, of his public ministry. And one of his very last uh, acts, his last miracle, uh, his last miracle is this. It's the restoring the sight of a blind man. We read the same story in the Gospel of Mark, and we learn this man's name. It's Bartimaeus, the blind Bartimaeus. Now, this is fascinating that Jesus would perform this miracle at the very end of his public ministry. If you rewind the track, what would be over a year ago as a church family, we studied the beginning of Luke's gospel, and he begins his public ministry after uh, you know the first few chapters of his birth account and so forth, the temptation in the wilderness. But his first public act of ministry, he goes into a Saturday morning church gathering and he opens the Bible and he goes to the Old Testament prophet of Isaiah, written some seven hundred years prior, and he reads this prophecy about the Messiah, the Savior who would come. And it says this, Luke 4, chapter 18, he started his ministry this way. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then in Luke 4, after he reads it, he sits down and he says, This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. As though to say, I am the long-awaited Messiah. And then over the next 14 chapters that we've just spent the last year studying, we've seen Jesus live out this prophecy. He has preached the good news to the poor. He has set those who were captive to sin and death and demons free. He has liberated the vulnerable and the oppressed. And in today's passage, he's going to recover the sight of a blind man, the blind Bartimaeus. And so what Jesus is doing, he is validating his identity as the Messiah with all certainty before he completes his mission uh, on the cross and the subsequent resurrection. And so this morning, we're going to look at this last resurrection of Jesus. What does it mean? Why does he, aside from fulfilling the prophecy, what is this written to us for? What do we have to learn for it? So we're going to talk about the recovery of sight. And to set up uh, today's text, um, in February... I was going through some of our storage, and I'm ashamed to say we have several boxes that have now moved three times with us and never been opened, and I don't know if anyone else has done that. So at some point, it's like opening Pandora's box, but I got to open this thing up and see what's inside and maybe throw it away or we can get on with life. Anyway, I found a, a, a box of all of my childhood possessions, and in that box was this little gem here. Does anyone remember this book? Everyone of my vintage remembers this book, The Magic Eye, 3D Illusions, A New Way of Looking at the World. Inside this book are all these seemingly random patterned images, but if you look through them and what we used to do, you hold your nose against the page and you start to pull out and then bam, off the page there's an actual image that's hidden on the on the, the patterned uh, screen there, and out of it could jump a, a rocket ship, or a dog, or a bunny, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, I bought this, by the way, in the Scholastic Book Fair in 1993. <laughs> how fun is that? I probably also got a Lamborghini poster, maybe a poster of Michael Jordan. You know, that was, that was it. So I actually, we'll see how this works. Here's an example of one of the images from the book. This could be a big waste of time, but uh, we're going to do it anyway. I want you to see if you can see the hidden image in this. And here's a a little pointer. You need to let your eyes cross. It doesn't work great on the screen, but it does work. I did it this morning. And so look, uh, I kind of looked to the top third of the screen and I crossed my eyes and then slowly let them uncross. Whoa, who said that? A fish. He sees it. Raise your hand if you see an image on that screen. One, two, anyone else? Three, four, Gene sees it. Five, it's a shark. Can you see it? No. Five of you are like, yes, once you see it. Six, we have another one. So believe it or not, the the head of the shark is down here on the bottom left. The tail is up there at the top right. Um, It's amazing the accurate. You can see the gills on this thing. So all at the same time, raise your hand if you can see the shark on the screen. That's amazing. We have about a dozen people. Raise your hand if you cannot see the image on the screen. <laughs> the vast majority of us. Well, isn't that interesting? We have a room full of people right now. We are all looking at the exact same image on the exact same screen. And some have eyes to see the picture in the middle of the image. And some of us can't see it at all. It's a, an image that is hidden to some. Uh, but couldn't be more clear, more three-dimensional and vivid to others. Well, that's actually what we've been seeing in Luke's gospel, something very similar to this situation. Jesus has been appearing to many people, and these people are seeing the same Jesus. They are hearing the same teaching. They are witnessing the same miracles. They are observing the same power, the exact same experience, and some see Jesus for who he is. He is Savior, Lord God, and Messiah, and they bow down, and they worship him, and they follow him at all costs. Other people witness the same Jesus, same teaching, same miracles. And they say, this guy is a lunatic. Others say, this guy is a heretic. He must be killed. They set him up to be murdered. Some see him rightly. Others are blinded to who he is. Now, I bring that up because in today's passage, we're going to see this great contrast in an ironic way. What we have in this this morning's passage is a man who is physically blind. His material eyes do not see. And yet, he actually sees Jesus with greater clarity than anyone around him. His material eyes don't work, but his spiritual eyes do work. And this is intentional in Jesus' ministry and in Luke's gospel. They are showing us something, something very specific that we are supposed to learn from this, more than just a, a simple miracle. It's something about spiritual sight. Jesus is teaching us something about our need to have our spiritual eyes which have been blinded by sin, we need to have them opened by the miracle-working power of Jesus. It's a picture and a metaphor of you and me. We are born not with spiritual sight. We are born spiritually blind. And for salvation, we need Jesus to open our eyes, to see truth and to see reality, to see who we are, and to see who God is. And furthermore, as we walk through the Christian life, we need more and more Jesus to continue to give us eyes to see truth from falsehood, right from wrong, God and his creation rightly. Now, real quick, before we jump into this text, I want to give a quick theological side note about reading the Bible allegorically. An allegory, as you're probably aware, is a story that's told to reveal a sort of hidden meaning. Most of the time, allegorical stories are not historical stories, right? Uh, One prime example would be the tortoise and the hare. In case you were curious, I don't think there was ever a, a turtle that raced a rabbit, at least that I'm aware of, right? It's a fictional story that's allegorical to teach us a lesson, something about determination and not giving up and how it pays off in the long run. And some will wrongly interpret biblical stories as allegorical when, in fact, they're historical. Uh, for example, um, there, um, some will say, uh, you know, for example... Uh, David didn't really uh, slay Goliath. That's, that's a, a, an illustrative story, an allegory, as it were, to teach God's people something about not being afraid of our enemies. When, in fact, no, that is a historical story. The real man David really did defeat in a battle the giant um, Goliath. Uh, so, too, others will say Moses didn't literally split the Red Sea. This book is just a book of allegory to teach us lessons, to not be afraid when uh, our enemy has us up uh, against the wall. The God will provide a way through. It's not historical, it's allegorical. Well, friends, we believe, and the Bible is written as such, that these are true stories. These are historical accounts. And so we always need to be careful when we're reading the Bible allegorically, when it is in fact a book of history. It's teaching us the history of God at work in our world to bring salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that said, while Jesus literally historically heals the blind man Bartimaeus in this story, he is also teaching us something allegorically. It's both and. In fact, if you look at Jesus' miracles, this is often the case. They are rarely just naked displays of power. They're often embedded with purpose and meaning. So we believe Jesus literally turned the water into wine, right, in in John's gospel. Uh, That was a display of power, but he's also telling us something, inaugurating that his kingdom is here, and it's a better kingdom, it's a superior celebration. And so too is Jesus heals the blind Bartimaeus. Yes, he literally restored the sight of a blind man, but so too it is pointing us to a greater reality, a need of our own to have the eyes of our hearts open, to have spiritual sight, to see Jesus for who he is and the spiritual realities all around us. And if you think about this, this is pretty intuitively obvious. Uh, Think about, maybe you've seen it, I've seen it where two people will walk through a nearly identical tragedy. One person is undone. They never can recover. Another person grieves sincerely, and yet, even through tears in their eyes, will say, it is well with my soul. I am trusting Jesus. So, too, too, two people may have the exact same incomes, exact same standard of living. One person lives with constant insecurity, scarcity mindset, nervousness, selfishness. Another person, same paycheck, same lifestyle, might say, I am blessed beyond measure, Beyond anything I deserve and live with abundance and generosity. Why? Same situation. One has eyes to see the spiritual reality and the truth all around us. The other is blinded. And so Jesus is teaching us this story something about the need to have the eyes of our hearts open this morning, to see Him rightly, to see the world around us rightly, to see and know truth, and to walk in the light of the truth of the gospel. And so as we go through this this morning, here's my prayer for us. I don't want to just study this text about spiritual sight. I believe there's some of us in the room that are still spiritually blind. Maybe you're not yet a a Christian. And I want you to know our belief is not that you're just naive or you're dumb. Uh, We believe you need Jesus to help you believe. And so in all humility, my prayer for you is that Jesus would give you eyes to see, that he would open the eyes of your heart to see who he is. And for the Christians in the room, those who have seen know Jesus is Savior and Messiah. For all of us, there are still blind spots where we are not seeing clearly. And so I want to even pray as we go through this text that like the blind Bartimaeus, Jesus would continue to open the eyes of our hearts to see the truth of the world around us, to walk in light of who God is, what he's done, like the heaven-bound saints that he has called us to be full of hope and life and joy and salt and light and witness to the world around us. And so I'm actually going to frame our text into three prayers that I want to pray for us uh, that we see in the blind Bartimaeus. The prayers are this. Number one, that the Father would give us eyes to see the identity of Jesus, know rightly who he is, Number two, that he would give us eyes to see the mercy of Jesus, what he has done for us in all its fullness. And number three, that the Father would give us eyes to see um, the worth of Jesus, that he is worth everything in our lives. And so here's the first one. I want to pray. O Father, for us, City Light Church, those in this room right now, would you give us eyes to see the identity of Jesus? Let me show you this from our text, chapter 18, starting in verse 35. It says, as he, that's of course Jesus, drew near to Jericho... A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, real quick, by way of context, remember, Jesus had been doing ministry up in the north, largely rural section up by Galilee. Since chapter nine, he has been journeying south. He is on his way to the great city of Jerusalem for Passover. And so, for almost 10 chapters, it's been this road trip of Jesus. Now, Jesus is almost there. Jericho is a small town just outside of Jerusalem, a little bit east, a little bit north. And at this time, again, Jesus is coming down for Passover. All the Israelites, all the Jews in this period of time in any reachable region would have been journeying back. This is the big date on their calendar. This is their Christmas, right? This is like traveling in December. Everyone is coming back to Jerusalem to celebrate God's Passover, his time of deliverance in the Old Testament. And so in this time, Jerusalem would swell up two, three, four times. Population size, so too all the small towns on the main major thoroughfares into Jerusalem would swell up. People would stop in these small towns to get some rest. They they would pick up supplies, and that is Jericho. It's one of these main thoroughfares, and so Jesus is walking through this on his final approach into the city, and it says that uh, there's a poor blind beggar along the road. Odds are there were more than just one. Right, this was a a mid-sized town. Any beggar who knew what they were doing would get to the roadside in this moment. Why? Because you have a lot of religious people who are going to meet with God. Is there a more strategic time and moment to ask people for money, right? Oftentimes we'll see beggars outside of our church gatherings. Let's hit them up when they're soft and tender, you know? And so this is strategic. So likely lining the road are uh, those asking for alms. There's the blind, there's the beggar, there's who uh, have need. This is a very strategic place for them. But there's one particular beggar uh, that Luke calls out in the story. It says, there was one blind beggar in the crowd. We know that this man has some intuitive sense. Something is going on in his heart where he knows that this moment is unique. This moment is unlike any other moment. We read on to the next verse, verse 36. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So remember, this is the end of Jesus' ministry. He is now wildly popular everywhere he travels. There's a a big entourage uh, following him. He's got faithful followers. He's got committed fans. He's got some spectators and tire kickers. He's got critics, but all around him, there's a big crowd. And so as he's walking through Jericho, um, even the blind man can sense an increased um, crowd size. And he asks, what's going on? Who, Who is it? And they tell him, it is Jesus that is walking through now, apparently, Bartimaeus, at this point, has heard of Jesus. He has heard of his power. he's heard of his miracles. He has heard of his ministry. And with amazing blind sight, he comes to the conclusion that this Jesus must be the Messiah. And so now, picture this scene. This man is unable to run to Jesus on his own, but his heart is pounding, and his hands are shaking. And he knows who's in front of him. He knows what's going on, and he knows that in just moments, Jesus and the crowd is going to be gone. This is his moment. He has to do something Verse 38, it says, and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, this is interesting. He calls him Jesus, son of David. This is the first time. This is the only time in all of Luke's gospel that Jesus is referred to by that title. If you're new to the Bible, you might think to yourself, well, I thought Jesus was the, the son of God or the adopted son of Joseph. What does he mean, the son of David? Well, this was a very specific, a very loaded, a very pregnant title. It comes from 1,000 years earlier when King David was on the throne in the kingdom of Israel. And at that time, God made a covenant with this man, King David, a promise as it were. He made a promise to the people of God through this king. We find it in 2 Samuel 7. Let me just read it to you. God tells David, the king, when your days are fulfilled, you die. You lie down with your fathers. I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. 2 Samuel 7 and 16, it says, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And so God, 1,000 years prior to this moment, was promising a forever king and a forever kingdom from someone who would come from David's direct descendants, from his family line. And guess what? This is where the Gospel of Luke is a fascinating book. Again, if you rewind back to chapter 3, Luke commits a whole long section to the genealogy of Jesus. And guess what we learn back in chapter 3? Jesus is the great, 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 great grandson of who? King David. He's cuing us in that what God had then promised has now been fulfilled. Someone from the line of David has come, and he is a forever king. Now get this. In Luke, there are 1,151 verses. Jesus, throughout these verses, interacts with hundreds of people directly, thousands, perhaps tens of thousands of people indirectly, and there is only one person who has the eyes to see that Jesus is God's forever Savior King in the line of David, and to call him by that name, and who is it? It's the blind Bartimaeus. The man with no physical eyesight has the spiritual eyes to see Jesus and who he really is. It's brilliant what Luke is showing us. Verse 39 it says, And those who were in front of him rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. How many of you know that when we're chasing hard after Jesus, people are going to try to silence us? Bartimaeus reminds us in this passage that we cannot listen to the crowd, we cannot censor the truth, we cannot shrink back when it's unpopular to follow Christ in the world. The crowd is hushing him, Be quiet, man. You're causing a scene. Others are saying, hey, quiet that poor beggar down. Jesus is an important guy. He's got stuff to do. They're hushing him, he says. But the blind man can see more clearly than anyone else along the road. The king has come. The Messiah is here. God's promise has come true. And this blind man has to get to Jesus at all costs. Where this man's physical eyes had failed him, he has spiritual eyes that are full of sight. He sees clearly who Jesus is and seeing him rightly, it compels him to stop at nothing to get to him. And so my first prayer for us, church family, is that God would give us eyes to see, that we would have sight like the blind Bartimaeus to see Jesus rightly for who he is and to run to him in light of that identity. Friends, Jesus is not a dead religious figure. He is not a moral example for our children. He is not a, a character in an ancient book or a good luck charm for the religiously inclined. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all things. He is the savior of sinners, the redeemer of the broken. He is the refuge for the weak and the source and end of all the cosmos. He is a friend of sinners. He is the fountainhead from which comes all life and love and beauty. He is the sacrifice for our sins and the one that we will worship for all of eternity. He is the son of David, the king eternal. Do you have eyes to see? This is who Jesus is and nothing less. Has Jesus opened the eyes of your heart? A.W. Tozer says what comes into our mind when we think about God is the greatest thing about us. And so my prayer for us is that God would give us spiritual sight, the sight of the blind Bartimaeus above all things, to see Jesus for who he is and to stop at nothing, to get to him. My second prayer that I have for us in light of this is, is that the Father would give us eyes to see the mercy of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus. We read on in verse 40. It says, And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. Can you imagine? And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Imagine this moment. Imagine the, the shocking moment. The crowd's trying to hush this guy. Big entourage and commotion is all around Jesus. Jesus stops the whole program. He says, bring that guy over here to me. Bartimaeus now is standing before Jesus. He can't see him, but he can see him. He knows who he is. He sees him better than anyone in this crowd. And Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Of course, Bartimaeus has already asked him over and over, son of David, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, son of David. But Jesus asked him, what is he? He wants him to be more specific. What do you really want? What do you want me to do for you? He wants him to say it out loud. Did you know Jesus also wants us to be specific in our prayers, specific in our asks. There's no promise that Jesus will give us everything that we ask for, that it will come true. He's not a genie in the bottle granting our wishes, but he is a living God who wants to hear our requests and who will answer according to his will. What do you want me to do for you? Verse 41, he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. Now he has to express his faith. We're out of vague realities. He's going to know whether or not this prayer is answered. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, he recovered his sight. Can you picture this moment? We don't know for sure, but we presume that this man was likely born blind. This means he's never seen the dancing green trees against a a bluebird summer sky. He's never seen a sunset. He's never seen a sunrise. He's never seen the shimmer of water. He's never seen the eyes of the mother that raised him or the eyes or face of anyone that he loves. He's never seen light. He's never seen darkness. And now in an instant, he can see it all. And what's the first thing that he sees upon regaining his sight? The face of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the joy that flooded this man's heart? City light, so too, one day each of us will die. And our eyes will be closed in blind darkness. And for those who know Christ, on the other side, we will open our forever eyes. And what is the first thing we are going to see? The face of Jesus Christ. The act of greatest mercy Jesus could ever give us is himself. Bartimaeus got his prayer answered. Son of David, have mercy on me. The greatest mercy is to see Jesus, to know Jesus, to be forgiven by Jesus, and to be with him for all of eternity. Now listen, we do believe that Jesus can and does answer specific requests for help in the here and the now. We believe that Jesus can and sometimes does bring physical miraculous, miraculous healing in this life. There are people in this room who have witnessed it even this year. Jesus heals and it's why we pray for healing for the sick, but we also acknowledge that miracles and miraculous healings are rare. That's why we call them miracles. Amen. Um, In fact, how many blind beggars were in Jericho? Probably a lot. How many got healed that day? One. But to whom does Jesus offer forgiveness and eternal life and relationship with himself? Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's Jesus's greatest mercy. When Jesus says in verse uh, 42, your faith has made you well, it's sort of a double entendre. That word translated made well is "sōsoken" in the Greek, which means both physical healing and spiritual salvation. Most Bible scholars and commentators agree that what Jesus gave this man in this moment was not just his physical sight, but eternal salvation. He gave him the greatest mercy of all. City Light, I wonder if sometimes we have really grasped what we have been given in the gospel. If we really have full eyes to see even a glimpse of the magnitude of God's mercy that we have received in eternal life. If Jesus asked me right now, what do you want me to do for you? I could think of 10,000 things. You know, I would like to not be sore for four days when I landscape for half an hour. I don't know when that happened, but it happened. I'm over that edge, right? Right. I would like my knees to not hurt when I jog. I would love to have my house paid off and a little more money in the bank. I would like a few more things that would make life in this world a little less stressful. But friends, none of those things could hold a candle to the salvation I already have in Christ. 1,000 years from now, the money in my bank account, the health of this body, how these needs do will mean nothing to me anymore because I will be in the presence of Jesus, a renewed body, heir to all the riches of God in Christ. City Light, would God give us eyes to see the mercy that we have received in Jesus? We deserved wrath and judgment. We've received forgiveness and eternal life and friendship with God. Would we have eyes to see it? all that we've been given in Jesus, who he is and what he has done for us. The last prayer I would pray for us out of this passage is this. Father, give us eyes to see the worth of Jesus. We're going to look at our very last verse in chapter 18, our last for today. And this is where we see the response of the man who has just received his sight. Verse 43. It says, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him. Glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This man has been unable to see. And because he's been unable to see, he's been unable to work. And because he's been unable to work, he's been unable to provide for himself and for other people. And because of that, he's been unable to take for himself a family. This whole, this whole man's life has been, has been small. It's been hard. It's been difficult. And in an instant, it's all been given back to him. There is now no opportunity that is not before this man. His sight is back and his life is back. His dignity is back. His hope is back. His future is back. His potential is back. And what does this man do? Verse 43, he follows Jesus. He can do whatever he wants to do and he decides to walk with Jesus. He can do everything that he ever wanted to do, but he couldn't. He could see the world for the first time. But in response to the mercy of Jesus, his first and greatest commitment is, I got to walk with Jesus. Jesus, wherever you go, I'm with you. I'm going to follow you. And he follows him into Jerusalem. Additionally, it says in verse 43 that he not only followed him, it says that he followed him glorifying God. That's worship. So what is this man who has new eyes to see doing? He's walking with Jesus and he is worshiping Jesus. He is giving him glory. He's living for his glory. He is speaking of his power. He's declaring glory in God and worship. This guy changed my life. He's walking with him and he's telling his story. I used to be blind, but now I can see out of his walk and his worship becomes his witness because verse 43 ends by saying, and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Did you know part of our ministry as being Christians is bragging and boasting? It's just not in ourselves. We brag and boast in Jesus. Here's who he is. I walk with Jesus, I worship Jesus, and my worship becomes my witness. Here's what he's done for me. Here's who I was. I was blind in 10,000 ways and now I see. That's Bartimaeus. He's glorifying God and he's sharing his story. I was the blind, homeless guy, helpless. I spent all my days guilting religious people into giving me money, and now I've met Jesus. And he has changed my life, and he's amazing, and everything is different. His walk and his worship became his witness because all the people glorified God. Would this be us, City Light? Can I encourage you, as you walk with Jesus, as you worship Jesus, would that be a public worship so that your worship can be your witness? Don't be ashamed of your story. Don't hide your story How and where has Jesus opened your eyes? Where did you used to be blind and now you see? Tell that. Would that be your story? Don't be ashamed of who you were, but let your worship become your witness. For me, I just want to declare this morning, Jesus saved me from a life of vanilla, play it safe, rule-based religion and an insatiable need for the approval of man. He saved me from a rigorous and fatiguing commitment to maintaining the facade of of perfection and having it all together. And Jesus rescued me from my spiritual blindness that was intensely religious. And he showed me, Gavin, you are a great, great sinner, greater than you'll ever know. But Jesus is a great, great Savior, better than you can ever imagine. And he helped me to see, don't hide your sin. Don't run from your sin, but take your sin to Jesus. Confess your sin, repent of your sin, and be forgiven of your sin. And then walk with Jesus. He opened my eyes to see that the Father's approval was the only approval that I needed and that I already have it in Christ. He opened my eyes to see I don't need to pretend or perform or fake it in this life, but I can live boldly and passionately for Jesus and risk it all for Jesus because heaven is my home. And Jesus said, "My, my room there is waiting for me. He's prepared a place for me. What is your story? Don't hide your story. Talk about who you were and what you've done, like the blind Bartimaeus. Talk about the hope that Jesus has given you, the redemption that he has provided. That's what we learn from Bartimaeus. He has seen the worth of Jesus. He responds with a walk with Jesus. And he worships Jesus, and that becomes his witness for Jesus. That's better than just good alliteration, although that worked out really well. That is the life of, of of the Christian that God has called each of us to. City Light with the Father, open our eyes to the worth of Jesus. Just like two people can stand side by side on a little magic eye thing. One person sees the picture, another person is blind. It can be the same with Jesus. We can look right at him and miss him. We need him to open our eyes just like he did the eyes of blind Bartimaeus. And so would he. Would he open our eyes to see his truth, his beauty, his mercy, his worth? And would we respond by following him this week and declaring his worth to everyone Around us. Thank you for joining us this morning for a favorite message from Pastor Gavin Johnson of City Light Omaha. If you'd like to hear this message again or more like it, check out Heard on Air on the MyBridge Radio app or online at mybridgeradio.net.